Podcastle 128 for October 26, 2010. Something Wicked This Way Plums by Vilar Kaftan. Rated PG. Hello and welcome back to Podcastle. I'm your host and co-editor, Dave Thompson. As a kid, I didn't really get to celebrate Halloween. My parents were against it. I don't think they really believed it was a satanic holiday. Now they're happy to come over and watch my kids trick or treat. But as a child myself, it was something of a taboo. I remember trick or treating only once. My mom made us pretty awesome Luke Skywalker X-Wing fighter pilot uniforms, but... When I started attending a private Christian school, one that did the whole Harvest Festival approach, which I guess was supposed to steal some of the devil's theme, that all ended. We could dress as farmers, or maybe cowboys. I got away with Indiana Jones a few times somehow. But horror icons like Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman? Verboten. It's sad, I know. So for me, my Halloween awakening came a little late when I read Ray Bradbury's spectacular Something Wicked This Way Comes. I had seen previews for the movie on the Disney Channel and was terrified, but I guess for some reason I thought reading it would be okay. Reading it would be safe and decidedly not scary. Boy, was I wrong. I hadn't read any horror or dark fantasy books prior to that one, and I was terrified by Pandemonium and Mr. Dark and everything else. But what surprised me the most, the really weird thing, was how much fun I was having. After that, I started exposing myself to more and more things and developed a deep love for vampires and Stephen King. Obviously, as you all know, I came to love the really scary stuff. Also worth noting is that as I started falling in love with all of this stuff, my parents started loosening up about some of it. To my surprise, I found out my dad actually kind of dug the Twilight Zone and we started watching the X-Files together. I loved the good scary X-Files, but to be honest, my favorites were always the funny ones. Humbug, Jose Chung's They Came From Outer Space, The Unnatural. Not just the ones that terrified or grossed me out, but the stuff that also cracked me up. And that's a big part of what Halloween has come to mean to me. As much as I love to be scared or horrified, as much as I love the psychological terror or the gore, what I really want from a Halloween story is that it makes me smile, or even giggle with glee. And not in a sick way. I'm talking the Great Pumpkin, Tricks or Treats, October in the Chair, old Dutch farmers scaring each other silly with tales about ghosts, goblins, and the Headless Horseman. In short, I want to have fun at Halloween. Today's story isn't actually scary unless you consider candy corn sugar rushes terrifying. Boy is it fun. It's with great pleasure we present Something Wicked This Way Plums by Viler Kaftan. Viler Kaftan writes speculative fiction of all genres, including science fiction, fantasy, horror, and slipstream. Her stories have appeared in realms of fantasy, Strange Horizons, Chising, and Clark's World. She's one of the few writers to have a trifecta here at Escape Artists. Her online home is at ViolaKaftan.net. Also, Viler is one of the organizers of the first Friends of Genre convention in San Francisco, otherwise known as FogCon in March. I'm hoping to be there, and I hope those of you who can manage it will drop by too. If you do, make sure to say hi. The story is read for you by Podcastle favorite Ellie Hirschman, whose website is www.elliehirschman.com. His nine-month-old has been keeping him busy lately, but he hasn't yet forgotten the names of all the voice actors from the original animated He-Man series. We'll always think of you as an honorable fanboy, Ellie, but we'll see how good your memory's holding out when your kid turns two. 
So grab a bag of your favorite tricks or treats, because we're looking for a bathroom full of sincerity. And enjoy the story. Something Wicked This Way Plums by Vilar Kafton Oh, the water cooler jug? Yeah, I get some questions about that. Not a lot of visitors here in my office, but most people notice it right away. It reminds me how important plumbing skills are. Never know when they'll save Halloween, or your life. It happened last year. I'd come into the office early because I was on deadline, and a month behind on bills. To make things worse, my girlfriend had the flu, and I promised to be there by five to take her boys trick-or-treating. So here I was in the men's restroom at 7.30 on Halloween morning. I shook out a few drops, zipped my pants, and went to the sink. It's one of those two-faucet deals with handles on each side and a wide central spigot. I turned the cold water tap. Candy streamed out of the faucet like the entrails of a slaughtered piñata. The sink filled with Skittles, candy corn, and jelly beans. They rattled against each other as they spilled over the basin's edge. Startled, I turned the faucet off. I hoped someone was playing a Halloween prank, because the alternative was disturbing. Or maybe I wasn't awake yet. I glanced at the mirror. In dreams, you've always got weird things about your face, like snakes crawling from your eyeballs. But I looked normal. A bit scruffy, and my sleepy eyes were bloodshot. Neither of these were a problem for a freelance writer. In some circles, they might count as street cred. I looked at the sink. Still candy. I went to my office for a paper bag. My office is a closet in a small San Francisco office complex. I rent it as a workplace away from my noisy roommate. I share the complex with a dental office, a massage therapist named Dana, and an unnaturally large ficus tree. Dana says it's a spirit tree and it brings harmony to her work. She repots it every year, which encourages its monstrous tendencies. I found a bag and emptied the recycled newspapers. I checked Dana's door, but she wasn't in yet. I took my bag to the restroom. As I scooped up candy, I noticed it was slimy and smelled like algae. I turned a jelly bean over in my hands, looking at the green streaks. I supposed whoever set up this prank hadn't cleaned the pipes first. How had they done this, anyway? I certainly wasn't planning to eat any of it. Basic Halloween safety. Don't eat razor blades or unwrapped candy, especially from a faucet. The thought reminded me. There were two handles. I turned the hot water tap. Nothing. I lugged the candy back to my office, uncertain what to do with it. Maybe I could take it to the preschool next door, but after I made my deadline. To my surprise, Dana was fiddling with her office key. She was having trouble keeping it level. The dozen-odd keychains dragged it down. Morning, Dana, I said. Hey, you've got to come see this. Gary, hiya, she called out, finally unlocking her door and dropping her keys in the process. You're here awful early. Happy Samhain. What? Samhain, spelled Samhain, she said, as if the syllables were actually the 27th and 28th letters of the alphabet. Day of the Dead, Wiccan New Year? Oh, well, Happy New Year, I said. I didn't know you got here this early. Yoga. What's up? Come check out the sink. She followed me to the restroom. I like Dana. She reminds me of my kid half-sister. She's always cheerful and knows everything about the Bay Area. Sometimes she brings me lunch when I'm on a tough deadline. When she's excited about something, she waves her hands around like they're talking to the air. When I turned on the tap, she waved her hands around and squeaked with delight. That's completely freaking awesome! Did you do this? No, but I'm trying to figure out who did. Someone in the dentist's office? All this sugar? 
Not likely. Dana picked up a handful. And the high fructose corn syrup and saturated fats and ugh. I can't believe how much of this stuff I used to eat as a kid. It's probably still inside me somewhere with all the gum I swallowed. I bet my guts could caulk a leaky pipe. It's a great prank. I hope it doesn't mess up the plumbing. Do you think it will? I squinted at the tap, trying to visualize what was behind it. It bothered me. I couldn't figure out how someone rigged the pipes. Was it something inside the faucet or deeper in the system? How could they have separated the pipe from the rest of the plumbing? And where was this candy stored? There was an awful lot of candy, a grocery bag full so far. I pictured someone hooking the pipes to an oversized vending machine while the water heater built up pressure. The resulting image was straight from Saturday morning cartoons. We'd better call the water company. Dana followed me back to my office. I looked up the number and called on speakerphone. A pleasant voice said, Please remain on the line, and an operator will assist you shortly. Awesome, said Dana. Then the music started. It wasn't bad at first. An elevator version of some classic song I should know. Dana leaned against the doorframe, and I straightened my desk. After a few minutes, Dana wandered off. I looked over my project notes, and then stared at the wall and daydreamed of skiing. The music continued, like a retired couple on vacation who'd forgotten where they were going. I shook my head, glancing at the time. I'd been zoning for half an hour. I opened my document and started writing. As a technical writer, I took whatever job I could get, but my specialty was instruction manuals. Today, I was writing documentation for the Rappomatic, an industrial weight shrink wrapper for use in factories. Shakespeare, it ain't. I got some work done. Actually, I forgot I was still on hold. Several hours passed before I glanced out my door. The dentist's office was lit and active. Dana was nowhere in sight. I got up to look for her, but just then a girl answered the phone. Thank you for calling. We apologize for any delay. How can I help you? Hi, there's Candy in the plumbing. May I have your name, date of birth, social security number, mother's maiden name, address of residence, and sun sign? What? Just kidding about the sun sign, sir. Um, I just work here. So do I, sir. Ten minutes later, I'd concluded the following. One, the water company refused to talk to anyone except the building's owner, who was on vacation this week. Two, no amount of pleading, demanding, or cajoling would influence them. And three, the statement, we appreciate your business, can be delivered with malice, like the final knife into Caesar's unsuspecting ribs. Et tu, water company. I went into Dana's office. The room smelled like exotic spices, and meditation chimes played on the stereo. Dana was rummaging around her purse. No dice, I said. We're on our own. Crap! She dug out some chapstick and used it. Well, it's probably okay. I mean, anyone clever enough to rig the plumbing probably knows what they're doing. I don't know, I said, remembering the slimy candy. I have a bad feeling about this. Dana, what's that in the corner? She glanced at the giant clay bowl. Oh, it's a new pot for Krishna. Who? The ficus. The tree is already filling most of the lobby, and you want it to get bigger? He needs room to grow, she said. He's a free-range ficus. Just then, Vivian burst through the door. She's the receptionist for the dental office. We trade books sometimes, since our reading tastes overlap. Vivian chain smokes, but her teeth are disturbingly white. I figure she works there to pay for her habit, much like a bookstore employee. Both of you, you've got to see what's happening in the men's restroom. We went, although we knew. Vivian turned the tap. Clearly, she'd been here a while, piling candy against the wall. Candy, she announced unnecessarily, is coming out of the cold water faucet. We know, said Dana. It's a prank. 
Why were you in the men's restroom? The ladies' room was occupied. Well, still. They are single-occupant restrooms, identical in all ways, Vivian said, giving Dana a look. Dana was looking at the sink. Hey, what happens when you turn the hot water on? I tried it, I said. Nothing. I tried it, too, said Vivian with a sniff. I was hoping for airline liquor bottles. Dana said, you'd think we would have attracted some children by now, like ants to sugar. I'm glad there aren't any here, I said, thinking of my nieces. Their Halloween candy rarely lasted more than a night. They'd eat themselves sick. Agreed, said Vivian. I studied the faucet, which had developed an M&M drip. Curious, I poked a finger inside. A green tentacle slithered out and wrapped around my wrist. Dana screamed. Vivian gasped and backed off. I wrenched my arm away hard. The tentacle stretched with me. I grabbed it with my other hand and yanked. The tentacle twanged like a sickly banjo. I pulled my wrist free, and it wrapped around my other arm. It was like playing Chinese handcuffs with an octopus. I didn't want to get both hands caught, so I dragged the tentacle down and stomped on it. It quivered, then released me. It withdrew into the faucet, leaving a green trail. An eye stalk poked out. It rotated, blinking a greenish membrane over a dark orb, and then vanished. The M&Ms kept dripping. Adrenaline raced through me. Dana had a hand over her heart. Vivian was staring at me. Gary, she said, did you see? This sink is coming open right now, I said grimly. What was it? Not human. I'll be right back. Liquor bottles. We need them, said Vivian shakily. I keep a spare set of tools in my car. I figured I could unscrew the sink train and take a look. I didn't know exactly what to do once I was in there, but it felt better than doing nothing. I was sure after touching it. Nothing fake felt that way. The clammy touch, the slight hairiness, the way it throbbed. But more importantly, I had sensed something there. Alive. It was thinking and breathing, and it wanted something. I don't know how I got all that. Some sort of chemical or pheromone, I guessed. A communication pattern more primal than words. Or maybe it had telepathy. Nothing could explain how I knew this. Nothing in my experience at all. I should have been more frightened. I think the adrenaline kicked me into overdrive. It made a certain sense. This can't be happening. Therefore, it can't hurt me. A nice, logical reason. Probably something like what General Custer thought just before his last stand. Anyway, when I got back, Dana was piling candy in the corner. Vivian was blowing cigarette smoke out the open window. She wasn't supposed to smoke inside, but even Dana didn't say anything. I unscrewed the S-pipe from the sink bottom and removed the connecting framework. I peered into the darkness. Dana helpfully offered a blinking purple mini flashlight. Sorry, said Dana, but it's better than nothing. Lovecraft, said Vivian out of nowhere. What? I asked. Lovecraftian horrors. Tentacles. Old ones from beyond. I doubt it, I said, then paused. I remembered the sense I'd gotten when it touched me. Impossible, but it was real. This was no prank. I stared into the darkness of the pipes, lit off and on with Dana's flashlight. Horrors. It's Halloween, insisted Vivian. The veil between worlds is thin, Dana said. A time not a time, and a place not a place. Exactly, said Vivian. I prodded inside the pipe with a screwdriver wishing I had a plumber's snake. I think aliens are more likely. Chalk one up on the board of improbable things I've said in my life. Why? Because I don't believe in magic, I said. Dana shrugged. I don't believe in freeways. 
Vivian blew out a long, smoky breath, then stubbed out her cigarette on the window. Why aliens? Well, assuming that it's not human, and that it's sentient, which, well, let's just say it is. Aliens are unlikely, sure, but not impossible, like magic and monsters and so forth. And this thing, well, I don't know. Prehensile tentacles have evolutionary advantages, especially in water. Look at the cephalopod family. Like a Tulu, said Vivian. Look, let's vote. Vote, I asked. Aliens or horrors from beyond. What good does a vote do? asked Dana. It keeps us from panicking. Vote. All for horrors, raise your hand. She raised hers. All for aliens, raise your hand. I raised mine reluctantly. Both of us looked at Dana. Science fiction is not going to ruin my sowing. I'll call a plumber. When she left, Vivian lit another cigarette. Gary, I'm worried, she said. That thing is strong, I said. At least we're adults here. I'd be worried that it would break a kid's neck if there were any around. We stared at each other, both realizing the same thing. The candy, I said. It's bait. The monster is baiting. Fishing for kids. Gary, we're hosting trick-or-treating. What? In the dental office. Alternative trick-or-treating. We're giving them stickers and toothbrushes. The preschool kids are coming over this afternoon. We've got to keep them away from here. I can't. I have to go back to work. Well, so do I, I said. Maybe Dana will do it. Dana was on hold when I checked, but she said she had clients all afternoon, and she couldn't cancel them. That left me and my laptop. I sighed. I took my power supply and sat on the toilet, fully clothed. I worked on my instruction manual again. Occasionally, I glanced at the sink and the hole below it, half expecting a tentacle to snake towards my ankle. At one point, I coughed, and a single gummy bear shot out from the hole. It lay on the ground like a shiny treasure. Nuh-uh, I said. You're not fooling me. I was getting hungry, but luckily Dana knocked on the door and handed me a bologna sandwich. After I ate it, I felt better. I focused on work, hoping I'd be done by mid-afternoon. Well, I would have been, except I was writing on a toilet. Even clothed, the pose inspired my body's basic needs. I glanced at the sink. I didn't like the idea of pulling down my pants near free-flying tentacles. I poked my head out the door. Small ghosts, witches, and cartoon characters filed through the dentist's office, emerging with plastic baggies that disappointed them when they looked inside. One of Dana's clients was just leaving. I knocked on her door. Hey, Gary, she said. No plumber. They're booked for today, unless you have 500 bucks handy. Dana, come guard the restroom for a few minutes. Why? I need to use it. The other one. Dana's brow furrowed. Then she grinned. Okay, I'll be right there. The phrase right there for Dana meant a five-minute stop at the ficus tree. She petted its branches and murmured something. I got a cup from the nearly empty water cooler and drank some water. Dana was still talking to the tree. Dana, I said, can't this wait? It won't take long, she said. Krishna likes attention at three o'clock. I sighed. A small child wandered by looking mournful. He tossed a toothbrush in the garbage. When Dana was done, we went to the restrooms. She stood by the men's room while I used the women's. I tested the sink before doing my business. Afterward, as I washed my hands, I heard a shriek. I rushed out. Dana was pressed against the restroom door, mobbed by excited children. What is it? What's going on? I asked. 
They found it, she shouted over the noise. You were supposed to be guarding it. Well, this one kid was crying that he would wet his pants, so... Oh, my God, I said. Dana, we've got to stop them. I'm trying, she said. She was drowning in a sea of preschoolers. Their teachers tried to restrain them, but it was like pulling water back from the falls. Dana and I looked at each other, panicking. On inspiration, I ran to her office and grabbed the heavy ceramic pot. I forced my way through the kids and plunked it down. That'll do it, I said. The preschoolers tugged at the door handle, but couldn't move the giant pot. Dana and I escaped to my office. My voicemail was blinking. Thinking it might be the water company, I picked it up. Instead, I heard my girlfriend's croaking voice. Hi, honey. I feel awful. I guess you're working. <coughs> the neighbors said there was a trick-or-treat thing at the dentist's office in your building, so they took the boys over. They should be there any minute. I love you. I'm going to go die now. I ended the call shaken. It was bad enough to think of an alien eating random preschoolers, but my girlfriend's kids here at risk? No, I said out loud. I won't let it. What do we do? asked Dana. Vivian stuck her head through the door. Gary, she said, we've got to do something. I said, we've got to investigate the plumbing. Someone needs to get into maintenance and figure out what's going on. Both women looked at me. Had there been crickets, they would have chirped. I would like to know why, I said. In the face of equal incompetence, men are always expected to deal with the plumbing. I just did my nails, said Vivian. I'm too young to die, said Dana. I sighed. Fine, that's fine. I put on my jacket. My adrenaline must have kicked in again because secretly I liked the idea of being a hero. Preferably not a dead one. The maintenance door is outside in the back, right? I think I saw it there. Yeah, said Dana. I'll show you. Vivian said, I'll take care of these kids. Dana and I went out the back door. Behind us, we heard Vivian proclaim, Children, you'll get candy later, but first I'll tell you a Halloween story, a chilling tale full of tiny monsters called bacteria. That one, said Dana, pointing out an unmarked door. Maintenance. It was locked, of course. Crap, I said. Got a fire axe? I don't think so, she said. Although, ooh, hang on. Dana ran inside. She returned with a sheathed dagger. I blinked. She unsheathed it and traced an imaginary doorframe around the real one. I half expected the door to explode in a smoky mess, but instead she worked the dagger's tip into the lock. Dana wiggled it until the lock broke. She pushed the door open. Dana sheathed the dagger and saw me staring at her. An athame, she told me. Ceremonial dagger for tonight's sowing ritual. Where'd you learn that trick? I asked. My boyfriend's from Oakland, she said. He taught me some things. Switchblade, athame. They kind of work the same. I'll wait here. I got your back. Simultaneously, I felt safer and more frightened. Maintenance was dark. I walked in, groping for a light switch. My hand connected, and light flooded the room. I wasn't an expert plumber, but I knew the basics. I found the water heater and the water main right away. That weird sense of something alien was stronger here. The room doubled as a storage area with boxes, crates, and extra water cooler jugs. Nearby, a shelf above the reserve tank held more tools, including a shutoff wrench. I studied the plumbing. 
probably was upstream of the water heater where there was more space. I examined the main, a large red elbow with valves at both ends. The creature was inside. I could feel it. Something probed at my mind, wondering who and what I was. I couldn't understand it in words. The closest I got were concepts, too big and not edible. It was comforting. Hi, I whispered. Then I thought at it, hoping it could understand me. Who are you? What do you want? A bologna sandwich appeared in my mind. I suspected it was a translation rather than a literal request. You can't eat the kids, I thought. I won't let you. Tentacles writhing at strange angles. I think it was pouting. I shook my head. No, I can't let you do that. Where are you from? Weird sensations overwhelmed me. Water that floated, a buzzing shriek, gasoline smell, a white sky with black stars. It felt untranslatable and made me dizzy. Stop, I'm not understanding. I was freezing, then hot, and my insides turned around me. My mouth tasted like scales and salt. Whatever it was saying, my brain couldn't cope. I staggered toward the door. Stop, I begged it. I was drowning in poisonous water, then floating in thick air. I understood this would never stop, not until it had acquired a bologna sandwich, metaphorically speaking. With that image, all went silent. I felt like I'd been soaked in cold water. I stumbled outside, pressing a hand to my forehead. Dana was waiting there. Gary, she said, what happened to you? I blinked, distracted by my sudden sandwich craving. There's definitely something in the plumbing, and it wants to eat the kids. We've got to stop it. How? I thought for a moment and remembered the wet feeling it gave me. I think it lives in water. That's why it's in the pipes. I'm going to shut the water off. I steeled my mind. Then I marched back into maintenance and grabbed the shutoff wrench. The creature must have read my thoughts because I was racked with an agonizing headache, like a beginning symbol class in my skull. I fell to my knees. The creature flooded me with confusing sensations of pain and noise. I fought it by humming a lunch meat commercial jingle from my childhood. I crawled forward, trying not to think too hard. I had just spelled the baloney's last name when I hooked the shutoff valve and wrenched it. Silence filled the room. My headache eased, although my brain kept humming the jingle. For a minute, I thought the creature was dead. Then I felt its presence in the reserve tank, even angrier than before. It must have slithered in there when I turned the water off. Oh, no, you don't. Before it could do anything, I opened the pressure valve. Water sprayed everywhere. I felt pain again, but this time it was someone else suffering, a creature's dying cry. I sensed it begging for help. I was right. The creature needed water, and I was killing it. I felt awful. It wasn't the creature's fault it was hungry. After all, it was just a predator, doing what it was born to do, like sharks or TV psychics. Maybe if I were stuck in the plumbing on some alien planet, I'd be looking for a sandwich, too. I hadn't planned the next step, but I reacted fast. I grabbed a water cooler jug. I pierced the top with the shutoff wrench and dumped out half the water. Straining under the weight, I pressed it against the open valve. Come on, buddy, come on. Shoop! Something green burst through the wide valve like a snot ball blown into a Kleenex. It landed squarely in the water jug. The impact knocked me to the floor. The jug landed next to me. I looked at the slimy mass crammed inside the plastic. Eyeballs dotted the surface like a Dalmatian spots. Green tentacles drooped from the jug's mouth like willow branches or... A fern, said Dana from the doorway. It totally looks like fern. You okay? 
It does, kind of, I said, and yeah, the tentacles wiggled. I sensed gratitude. What do we do with it? I don't know, I said. Let's take it inside for now. We took it into my office and set it on the shelf. Vivian joined us, leaving sobbing preschoolers in her wake. Her jaw dropped at the sight. We've got to call the feds about this, she said. And give it to them? Dana asked. They'll hurt the poor thing. It's dangerous, said Vivian. Isn't it, Carrie? I looked at the creature in the jug. It wouldn't escape, I was sure. And it didn't look dangerous, just squished. I got the feeling it was very sorry for what it had done. I said, actually, I'm with Dana. I think it'll be okay in the jug, as long as we don't repot it. But what do we do with it? asked Vivian. I looked around my office. Any ideas? I asked. I got the image of typing tentacles and instruction manuals stacked up on my desk. I liked the idea. It's a deal, I thought. No one reads the damn things anyway. I said, well, I've got an empty shelf here. So that's the story of the water cooler jug. After all, with enough monkeys and time, you really can get Shakespeare. All I have to do is feed it. You may have noticed that you've been craving a bologna sandwich for the last ten minutes. It's normal in this office. Here, throw it a Vienna sausage. And welcome back. Let this be a lesson to you kids. Never take candy from intergalactic tentacled strangers. Well, that just about wraps up our tour of Halloween land this year, folks. Ghost hunters, monsters, vampires, and the Elder Gods' younger nephews. We hope you've enjoyed it thus far. Keep an eye on your feeds. We've got one last treat coming for you soon. Just when you put your headphones on, beware of tentacles. Feedback for episode 121, M.K. Hobson's The Warlock and the Man of the Word, read by Bob Eccles. Wow, there was a lot of discussion on this one, everything from religious stereotypes to racial epithets, all of which you can find at forum.escapeartist.net. But for the most part, people seem to really dig this one. A few were surprised how much they enjoyed it, considering the setting. Kibitzer said, It certainly draws heavily on your typical Western characters, gunslingers, preachers, miners, whores, and does so well. I'm a little conflicted about whether the fantasy elements mix well with the Western. It seems odd to me that a demon prince could simply be shot in the back and killed special ammo or no. Mav Weirdo thought the interplay relationship between Ash and Furnace made this story great. Washer said Bob Eccles has an appropriately gravelly voice for a western and he's very good at differentiating the characters. The story itself was breathtaking in its scope and the implications it made and the characters were rich and complex despite the limited amount of words they had to breathe. I liked how the revelation the Padre had was incorrect and things kept flipping on their head. I liked the dialogue as well, very flowing. And it sounded like a lot of you went to check out Hobson's The Native Star as a result, which makes me doubly happy. Thanks to everyone for your comments. You all rock. If you want to fill our bags with goodies, please consider making a donation to podcastle.org. Your donations go to help keeping our authors paid and our castle spreading the good news about the coming of Cthulhu. This does not mean we would lure children to our castle with candy only to feed them to Cthulhu. Well, not specifically, Seriously, folks, all your contributions are greatly appreciated, no matter the amount. Thanks. 
And thanks for letting all of us at Podcastle share another story with you. Podcastle's made up of Slush God Ann Lecky, our Banshee of Sound producing Peter Wood, and your devilish editors, Anna Schwind and myself. That's all we have for this week, trick-or-treaters. Like I said, keep an eye on the feed for one last Halloween favorite. After that, we'll resume our regularly scheduled programming with the Weird Western from Down Under. Until then, remember that sometimes you go looking for the Great Pumpkin, and sometimes the Great Pumpkin Cthulhu comes looking for you. And we'll see you all very soon. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. You can discuss this episode of Podcastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartists.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend or post to your blog about it or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Ray Bradbury described the October country as this, that country where it's always turning late in the year, that country where the hills are fog and the rivers are mist, where noons go quickly, dusks and twilights linger and midnights stay. That country composed in the main of cellars, subcellars, coal bins, closets, attics, and pantries faced away from the sun. That country whose people are autumn people thinking only autumn thoughts. Whose people passing a night on the empty walks sound like rain. Happy Halloween! <laughs>